This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right, guys. Well, welcome again. Thank you so much, so much everybody, for being here this morning. Man, got a good crew. Awesome. Guys, you didn't, I just looked at the live stream. Not live stream numbers are down a little bit. Share the live stream. If you're on there right now, hit the share button. It's amazing. We see our numbers jump every time, every time you guys begin to share, uh, the, share the live stream feed, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's on YouTube. But thank you so much for being here this morning. It is a privilege to have you with us, whether you're here in person or watching online. You guys are rolling hills. Again, we love you. You guys are family. Glad to have you, uh, glad to have you with us this morning. If, uh, as I always say, guys, Church of the Harvest, we're a, we're a family of Christ followers. And we, we're, we're a small group in the body of Christ. And we, we've recognized that, that we're stronger together than we are individually, right? And so we've chosen to link arms and accomplish God's purposes in the earth together. If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And how do we do that? Community, discipleship, and that is what we're all about. So we thank you for being a part this morning. So we're going to continue today. This is part five of the series that uh, we started well, a number of weeks ago, I think we had Dr. Leon interrupt the middle of that. Goodness, he got to arrange that better next time. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we started this series on a life of worship, and, uh, and and we started going through that. And I told you how the Lord really impressed on my heart that we needed to to begin really um, developing a deeper culture of worship within our church family. That 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 get beyond the myth that that worship is a is a is a, a 30 minute or 45 minute time period during a service where we sing songs. Uh, it, it, as I always say, if if that's what you think worship is, well, hopefully it's the smallest facet of worship in your life because your whole life is to be a worship, right? And worship isn't something that we do as much as it's absolutely who we are and who we, we were created to be. Bring honor and praise and glorifying God's name and, and making his name famous in the earth. That's who we are. And so we talked about, we talked about week one that, that uh, we started going through and talking about how worshipers live this life of uplifted hands, that, that those uplifted hands throughout all of history have represented um, our, our, our surrender and victory. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. When we lift up our hands to the Lord, it represents our surrender to Jesus, but also our victory in Jesus. And then week two we did, we talked about what Pastor Sean was talking about, about how worshipers live a life of generosity. We, don't, we recognize that everything we have comes from him, and we don't hold on too tightly to anything Thing that he's given us to steward because that's not our source. He's our source. And so we live a life with our hands open, allowing him to use whatever it is that we have to bless those around us and trusting that he's going to take care of us. Week three, we went through and we talked about um, uh, worshipers living a life of a heart poured out where we're, we're just genuine and sincere before the Lord about, about what it is we're walking through and dealing with and even our thankfulness for his faithfulness in our life and our trust in, in his provision, his empowerment for our future. And then last week, how many of you were here last week? We talked about worshipers live a life bowed down. And obviously we were talking about a posture of the heart, but, but at the end of service, we all bowed down before the Lord, didn't we? Because once we realize who God is and what he's done, we recognize that our only reasonable service is to live a life on our knees before him. Amen? And so we're going to continue on. Part five. You ready for part five? Follow along. Um, if, um, if, you, um, if, if you got your Bibles, pull those out. If, um, if you want to follow on the YouVersion Bible app, um, you can uh, go there. If you hit the, on the menu in the YouVersion Bible app, if you hit more and you hit events, our notes will automatically pop up. And you can follow along from there. There's also, you can get that from the QR code on the back of the chair in front of you as well. And guys, the surprise today is my son has been asking to preach for a year. 
And so it's his turn. So I'm going to invite Aaron to come up. Most of you, most of you kind of know his story now. And, and uh, by the way, my, you guys, we, we talked about how he's now technically, he's staff with Overland Missions now. We have another Overland staff member here today. Electa Williams is back with us. And she'll be here, um, she'll be here next Sunday as well and, and may get a chance to share for a few minutes during uh, Impact Sunday. So excited about that. But uh, he is going to continue on with part, part five of Life of Worship. And, and uh, he actually spoke to the youth last Wednesday, last Wednesday night? Two, Wednesday. Two weeks ago. And, um, and he was sharing this with me. I was like, man, it flows in perfect. That's about worship. That's what it is. And so he just kind of continues. So those of you who were, who were there that, uh, two weeks ago, you teenagers who were there when he uh, talked about this, you'll recognize a little bit of it, but I believe you'll get much more as well. So uh, uh, why don't you guys give Aaron Thomas another hand? <laughs> I broke him. It, t- it took a year, but I finally got him to let me come up here and speak. And I'm going to have to get used to this. This sounds like weird. It's e- echoey. Um, but I wanted to start with something that we did in Zambia while I was gone for the three months. And no matter where I went inside of Zambia, there was this universal, like, hurrah almost and we'd go and it didn't matter where we were ministering you could go hallelujah and they'd respond amen so I want to I want to do that with you guys go hallelujah amen so you might hear that a few times over the next 45 minutes but one more time hallelujah amen I love that (laughs) um amen (laughs) So this week, worshipers live a life of excellence. And for you guys that know me, you know that less than a year ago, I would have been the least qualified person in the world to speak on this topic. (laughs) Firsthand, I mean, those of you could probably have memories of things that I did that was just quite lazy and ridiculous and the opposite of excellence. I was actually meeting with Dennis and Laura, they're working in kids class, but I met with them yesterday and they said there was a point we had a work day last, last year and someone, we were picking up chairs or we were doing something and someone asked me to come help and I was like, my dad told me I could stay on this couch. I definitely was abusing something that he told me, twisting it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just wanna hop in. We're gonna get into definitions and all the fun things. But um, excellence, it's the quality of being outstanding or extremely good, two an outstanding feature or quality. In Hebrew, yetira, it means preeminent or surpassing. I'm gonna get even more into that. Preeminent meaning surpassing of all others, very distinguished in some way. So I told you guys, those of you that know me will, can think of stories firsthand. And for those of you that don't, you're gonna have to wait and you're gonna hear that. Um, Unlike my grandpa, I'll wait for the sermon to start to tell my jokes. And unlike, my, and unlike my grandpa, my jokes are funny. So, um, so I'm going to hop into our first point. Excellence sets you apart from everyone else. And obviously there are an infinite amount of things that can apply to in our lives. If that's our work, our job, our family, our kids. I said work and job, but um, anything that you can put any amount of effort into, it can be done with excellence. It can, it, it's infinite. 
So I just want to hop right in to a passage in the Bible, Daniel 3, 16 through 28, and I'll be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And just for context, um, they were exiled into Babylon. They were ripped from their families. They probably saw their families ripped from them or ripped from them or killed. They were given new names and forced to learn a new language and to study the ways of the Babylons. And they were forced to study the way of the Babylons. And this was worst case scenario. And on top of all of this, Nebuchadnezzar created a golden statue that they commanded all of Babylon to bow. And obviously, they weren't going to conform. They weren't, they weren't going to bow just to please the king. And I'm going to hop in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, and governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They did not even smell of smoke. Amen. (laughs) Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. Hallelujah. So remember, remember the definition of excellence, surpassing all others, very distinguished in some way. They, they had already proven to the king that they were excellent in character. They, they, they had proven that they were responsible to be placed in ever, any government position that he might put them in. And, and, and they were despised by their peers because of this. This is what led to the, it led to the entire idea of the statue and trying to get them to bow as the peers hating them for their excellence, hating their promotion. They were forced into a society and they were told to conform repeatedly, but they had a faith that surpassed all others. They denied to bow and that's what set them apart. So they weren't rocking with the king and his whole bow before my statue thing. They had an honor and respect for the king that only extended as far as their convictions. King Neb was a little irritated because of that. He wanted them killed. That is one of the most powerful and clear messages on excellence 
That is one of the most powerful and clear messages on excellence setting people apart. As Christians, we are called to be different. We are called to live our lives of love through our actions. Of course, we speak the words, but we allow our actions to speak louder. You can say one thing, but when people look at your life and, you see, and they see you walking around with, with such excellence that it makes them question themselves, that's, that's our goal. When you live a life of excellence, you're giving people a glimpse of Jesus. And I want to shout out the youth group doing eternity perspective. When you, when you live a life of excellence, you're giving people a glimpse of eternity. Let your excellence be your worship. It's, it's what's going to set you apart. The first point said, actually, I'm going to stop for water. So. I keep picking it up and setting it. The first point said that excellence sets you apart from everyone else. And in the same way that your excellence sets you apart, your lack of excellence does the same. So we can get into story time now with me. Um, like I was saying, if, if you claim to be a Christian and, 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 you, and you carry that title, you go to others and you say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. And then they see you living most of your life in utter the opposite of excellence. Living with a, with what? Compromise, like with a begrudged attitude. Like when they see that, you're not, they're seeing that you're not living your life in excellence and, it, and it, it doesn't do anything for them. Why? If they're living the same, if they're living the same life and you're living the same life they are, you claim to be a Christian, if they don't see any difference, what, why, why would they change anything that they're doing? And so I, I, I mean, growing up, I was... <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. I, I, I was a difficult child, and I apologize to everyone for the difficulties growing up. But um, it didn't matter what they told me to do. I mean, I had a, a list of daily chores. I had all kinds of things that it actually wasn't that much. And, and they would tell me that all the time. We only want you to do these three things. Well, my Xbox, dad. Um, but <laughs> um, I, I remember I would just lived my life in utter grossness. There was no organization. There was no order. Um, and I think that we have a picture of my room. <laughs> this was my room when it was clean, y'all. Um, and so, and so Lauren, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was coming back for that. Um, but so, and so Lauren, Lauren was gone at college. And so I decided, I don't want to sleep in my room. So, next, 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 next. Is it in there? So that's my sister's room. <laughs> um, with, yeah, with all my stuff. I decided my room was too dirty, so I was I was gonna go in her room because if I was in her room, mom and dad weren't gonna tell me to clean my room. And one day, one day they decided to tell me to do both. <laughs> Um, but this is just like one of a billion examples. I mean, it was day by day by day, like, please just take the trash out. Like, that's all we're asking you to contribute to this home. Go take the trash out. And, and I mean, it was, I, I just lived in utter chaos. And um, to others, like, how, 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 do, how am I appearing to others? 
What, what happens in the home is going to translate outside of it. I mean, my car. I mean, y'all should have seen when I had my truck, what that truck looked like. When I played, when I played baseball, my locker, my truck, my bag, I don't. Mm, there's probably some animals in there. No, 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 actually, I, I remember, I remember one time I walked into my room and I'm 85% sure I saw a mouse running across the room. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why he's in here. Um, um, and, and I refused to sleep in my room that night. Um, didn't clean it and slept in there the next night, so I don't know what, I don't know what that was for. But we, we want to portray ourselves as people that do things with excellence, of cleanliness, of things that we do things in order. Um, and the way to do that, it, it leads to our second point, which excellence is the constant denial of the flesh. Yeah. Our own laziness, selfishness, stubbornness are the reasons that we aren't doing things well. A, begr- a begrudged attitude will never do things with excellence. A begrudged attitude will never do things with excellence. Hallelujah. So I want to read uh, just a verse out of Daniel. Um, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So I want to say this is like a cause and effect. Because an excellent spirit was in him, the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And it's the same for our lives. You have an excellent spirit in you, and that's what's going to set you apart. That's what's going to allow you to be placed in in positions of responsibility. Because what you do with little, and we saw that Daniel, he stewarded what he had when it was little, and he got set above. the, The king thought to set him over the whole realm. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And so I was thinking just about Daniel, and what are things that he's known for, right? His, his prayer, his, his um, character, his fasting. And I just wanted to hit on fasting, because what, what's, what's the point of fasting? To deny yourself, to deny your flesh. You're going to tell your body that you're going to have no control over me. There, there, there's no emotion, there's no lust, there's, there's, no, there's no thing that I'm going to allow my body to have control over me for. So you, you, you tell your body to shut up and, 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 you, and you fast and you push in and you go with the Lord. You, 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 you and the Lord, you, you're rocking. <laughs> and so Daniel was known for his fasting. And 6.3 shows that he had an excellent spirit. There is a defining correlation between these two. The point of fasting is to deny the flesh. The reason that Daniel was able to have an excellent spirit was because he was able to constantly deny his flesh. The reason that Daniel was able to have an excellent spirit was because he was able to constantly deny his flesh. Hallelujah. So I'm going to do a little fun thing here. We're going to... Got it, guys. Don't worry. Here we go. All right. 
So on the left, we have Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night, right? And on the right, we have a blank canvas and an Apple pen. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to draw it real quick, right? Is it up there? I need to be able to see it a little bit. Um, so uh, I just got home from work. The wife needs help in the kitchen, but TV looks much better. So I'm just going to switch. There we go. Here we go. What are other examples? Um, I, my kid has a doctor's appointment today, and he's, thrown, he's just throwing the biggest fit. And I, I lashed out. I, I, didn't, I didn't parent him with excellence. Work, doesn't, work has so many, kid, so many pins. They don't, they don't care if I take a couple pens. There's a billion, a billion examples I just got to keep. Um, I was at baseball practice, and coach, coach, had a, coach had to go early, so I'm not finishing my reps. This can apply to so many different areas of our life. You, you, you look at your entire life as a, as a complete pizza. You look at, look at your life as... as This is, this is looking really good, right? Right? I, you know, I, I was going to change colors for this, but I just didn't feel like it, so. Come on, guys. Give me some encouragement. This is like, this is some like, it's like Van Gogh. I'm going to ask y'all afterward which, who, who drew which. Um, Just gotta keep adding circles. <laughs> what am I missing? Oh, okay. Hold on. I'm gonna. That's a swirly, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 We're cutting corners. We're cutting corners, but it's gonna look the same. Just hold on. This is just us constantly giving into our flesh. This is just, is that a city? Looks good. You want to live there? Yeah. Kind of looks like a pepper on the top right. Um, um, is that good, y'all think? Yes. No, ser- like, seriously, though. Hold on, I'm going to swap. Okay, okay, I'm going to move them around, and I want y'all to tell me which one. Okay, is it on the left or the right? Which one's the real one? Y'all don't know. No, but, but seriously, obviously mine better. No, uh, it, it's not good. It's, it's really bad. And, and that's because, I mean, even if I was trying my hardest, I'm not the artist in the family. Um, so, but that, that, the left is what it looks like when you put 
You're half-hearted. You, you go in with a begrudged, begrudged attitude. You do things without excellence. And on the right is someone who gathered the materials, the resources, took the time, had the heart behind what he wanted to do. I mean, it took him one year. It took him a year to paint that. It took him a year. That shows the commitment and the time put in. And, and, and the, reason, the reason that it's still something that we look at, I mean, 1889, what is that? It's a, it's a lot of years ago. <laughs> 130-something. It's been 130-something years, and this is something that we're, that, that, this is a household painting. Like, everyone knows of this painting. And everyone knows of Van Gogh. Because it's because of the people that, it's, that are set apart in history, the people, the people that we have any memory of, there's a reason that we have a memory of them. There, there, there's a reason that significant historical figures are still in our history books. It's because they did things with excellence. They did things that distinguished them from others and set them apart. Hallelujah. Amen. So Van Gogh had a quote. Actually, let me, let me, so if, if my motive on this one on the left was doing things half-heartedly, compromising, not really, not really, not really into it, not wanting to really do it, um, what, what's our motive? What, what drives us to do things like Van Gogh? What drives us to leave a mark of excellence? So he's got this quote. It is good to love many things. For therein lies strength. And whoever loves much performs much and can accomplish much. And what is done with love is well done. What is done with love is well done. And that brings us to our third point. Excellence is driven by love. Love drives us to do things with excellence. I want you to, to, to think about things that you love to do. Think, think about hobbies, think about family, think, think about things that you, you take time out of your day because you love to do them. Whether that be, for me, it would have been sports. Uh, that can be your job, that can be your wife, your husband, your kids. Just like it can apply to the negative things, it can, it's, it's the same way here. There's an infinite amount of things that we all enjoy and, and love to do. Now think about that thing that you love to do you already do the things you love with excellence because you love to do them. You already do the things you love with excellence because you love to do them. Like you, you want to be doing the activity, the thing that you love to do. You, you want to do it well. Some of us just need a deeper love for the Lord. We, we need to cultivate a deeper love for the Lord. Why? Because what we love, we will do with excellence. So you're trying to take a picture. Yep. I'm gonna get water. Yep. It's an action shot. <laughs> Still on? Oh, yeah. Because what we love to do, what we love, we will do with excellence. Worship isn't something you do. A worshiper is who you are. A worshiper is who you are. 
Your whole life is to be a worship. That means everything you, you do should be done with excellence. Why? Because of your love for the Lord. If you love him, you will serve him with excellence. If you can't find the time in your day to spend with the Lord, but you're able to find the time to watch three hours of TV after work, then you've proven what it is that you love. Our relationship with the Lord and thus our entire service to the Lord, which includes every area of our life, should be excellent. The key is finding the love to do the, to do the things you do not innately want to do. Parents, you do this every day for your kids. You make sacrifices every day that you, to do things that you don't want to do or things you do not like. Amen. I don't have a kid, but hallelujah. <laughs> you may not feel like getting up early, dragging your kids out of bed and getting them on the school bus. You may not feel like packing their lunch and getting them the things that they need just to like have the bare necessities to like eat. You just may not feel like doing it. You may not feel like taking them to a doctor's appointment. You may not feel like picking them off the floor when they're having their third hissy fit of the day, just rolling around on the Walmart floor, just like in public. And you're like, like, what? What is happening? Like what? But you do it. Why? Because of love. You love them. We must recognize that our lives are not our own. We don't do things for the recognition of man, but we do them for the Father. It is no longer I who lives, but he who lives in me. Everything we do is a worship. Why do we worship? Because of our love for the Lord. That love drives us to be people of excellence. Everything we put our hand to, we do it well. We surpass all expectation, and this is what distinguishes us from everyone else. So, we've spoken so far. The first three points. Excellence sets you apart from everyone else. Excellence is the constant denial of flesh. Excellence is driven by love. The last thing that I want to mention is is really important. Excellence is a choice. If, If you were to take one thing away from this message, choose excellence. No one is going to make you. Heck, m- most of the world is not going to expect it of you. You can't pray that God makes you excellence. You have to wake up every morning and give your day to the Lord. Yeah. You have to wake up every morning and decide, I'm going to have an awesome day today, and I'm going to live it for the Lord. You can't roll out of bed and just mope and have a begrudged attitude about, about the things and the plans that you have for that day. You can't... You can't hear your kids walk in the room and be like, oh, today's going to be a bad day. They're already throwing a fit, which I did a lot of those. (laughs) Um, You have to wake up every morning 
give your day to the Lord and choose excellence. Choose to have an excellent marriage. If you're in school, choose to work hard and study. Show yourself approved. At your job, work hard. Exceed expectations. Stand out. When you wake up each morning, choose to steward your relationship with God. Choose to have an excellent control over your emotion, your emotions. Each day, choose joy. Each day, choose to walk in peace. Choose to be a person of character. Choose to walk in integrity. Choose to love your neighbor as yourself. Choose to not let anger overcome you. Choose to prefer others before yourself. When things look tough, choose to remember God's faithfulness in your past and choose, and choose to trust him in your future. Choose to not compartmentalize your life. You don't have a church life, a work life, a family life, a social life. You have one life. Laid down, crucified with Christ, surrendered before him. Live it with excellence in every area. Hallelujah. Choose to be an excellent worshiper. If you do just the things that I read off this list. You will be so set apart from others that you will have no choice, but others will have no choice but to have taken notice. Yes. I can give an example of just me and my dad last week, or it was earlier this week. He, he had his shoulder surgery, so I've been running around doing jobs with him, helping him lift and move things around. I've just been the muscle. After, after I move stuff, I just kind of sit there and he types away on his, makes calls, I don't know. Um, but we were on the way back from a job. I don't, I'm not, I don't quite remember where we were. But we stopped at Home Depot, and you needed to get a sprayer, right? I mean, it was like a two-minute in and out. I mean, we just walked in, grabbed the box. He told me to pick it up because his shoulder hurt too bad. <laughs> I, wasn't here, I wasn't here last week. Um, I was at Jesus Image in Orlando. Um, but... Uh, I saw, he, I knew he had his surgery, and I, I was tuned in, saw he had his sling on, and he picks me up later that night, and he, he picked me up later that night at the airport, and he didn't have it on. I said, you just wanted attention. <laughs> but uh, we, 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 ran in, we ran into Home Depot, uh, just got a sprayer, just, it was like the outside checkout, and we went by, and I mean, it was just a normal, a normal interaction. We, I turned the box so she could scan it. I think me and dad were just joking around, and there was two of them sitting there, and I mean, they, they had obviously had some difficult interactions throughout the day. It sounded like they had had some rough customers, and we didn't, we didn't really speak to, we, wasn't as, we didn't even really speak to them. It was just a, hey, how are you doing? Scan the box, just smiles on our faces. And this, and this man right here, he, go, he goes, correct me if I'm wrong, he's like, man, it makes me so happy to see some people come in here with a smile on their face. Why are people come in here, they're so sad all the time. It's, they do not want to be here. He's like, it just, it just encourages me so much that the two of you, he was like, I can just see it on you. And, and we were walking away and we were like, oh, this is a witnessing opportunity. <laughs> we, we turned around and, and my, my dad was like, what do we have to moat for? What, what in this world do we have to rely on to, to bet our lives on? I mean, I, I live for Jesus. My hope and salvation is in Jesus. What do I have to mope about? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And it's stories like that. I mean, there's, there's an infinite amount of those, right? Just, just day-to-day interactions. interactions. I'm, sure, I'm sure all of you have memories like that that you could, that you could share. Um, it's just going about your day-to-day life and people seeing you as different through your actions, seeing you as distinguished from others, surpassing all others, just in the way that you check out at Home Depot. My, it's a little early. Can I? Hmm? I don't buy that now. <laughs> Purpose is found in your excellence. <laughs> Our world is grasping for purpose. Jumping from one thing to another, trying to catch hold of something that gives them purpose, that gives them meaning. When others see you living your life with such utter excellence, they're going to take notice and ask themselves, what is the difference? And that is your witness. That is your witness. If you have people, you, 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 all of us, we're all touching lives that we have no idea we're touching right now. There are people that are observing our actions. They're watching us from afar. Are we being an example of Christ? When, when you're at work and they're, they're looking across the room and you're nowhere near, near them, not talking to them, are you being an example of Christ? Are you doing things with such utter excellence that they're just baffled? I mean, what, what could they be living for that would be, be worth doing things like this? What, what purpose could they have? What is it? What's the difference? I, I made a joke a couple times this week just in preparing for this, and obviously everything ties back to Jesus. Um, Jesus was a carpenter. How do you think that his, his workmanship was on his work? Do you think he cut the corners? Do you think, you think he would sell you a chair and you sit down and it'd fall apart? <laughs> Bro, I want one of Jesus' chairs. Like, it's, it's, it's probably still around. <laughs> it's sitting somewhere. Can I invite the worship team up? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that's fun. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer and then I'll invite my dad up. I, I'll, I'll let him know that he, he has permission. Um, so, Lord, Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you, I thank you for this family that I've been raised in, that, I, that I've been grown up in, and that over the past 18 years of my life, every single person has watched me grow up from the worst of the worst to the best of the best. And I, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before them and speak. I thank you for the word that you placed inside of me to share with everybody. Because as worshipers, we're called to live a life of excellence. And if we, can, if we can grasp the idea of that, 
our community will not be the same. Our work will not be the same. Our families will be changed. And like we said, excellence is a choice. Reach your hands out and grab it. It's yours, it's yours to choose. I pray that every single person in this room can just, can just take hold of it, take hold of the purpose and the joy that is found in biblical excellence. That they can transform not only their own lives, but the lives around them. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You want me to? You want me to go down? You can have a seat. Guys, worshipers live a life of uplifted hands and surrendered victory. Worshipers live a life of open hands, a life of generosity. Worshipers live a life of sincerity with hearts poured out. Worshipers live a life bowed down and surrendered before the Lord. And worshipers live a life of excellence. I love that that is part of our witness. And I, I, we were talking about that yesterday, that we do compartmentalize our lives. We look at it that way. We think about our church life and our work life and our family life and our social life. Guys, you have one life. It's a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it is called to be a worship. Before it's, b b before you're a mom or a dad, before you're a plumber or a waitress, before you're a student, you're a worshiper of God. That's who you're called to be at the core. So we've got to get to this place. We love compartmentalizing things as Americans. We've got to quit compartmentalizing our lives and recognize who we are. For it. And it's an identity issue. It goes back to identity and knowing who we are. What we, what, what happened, what's the first thing you had when an awkward moment? You, you, guys, when, when guys have that awkward moment, they hey, how you doing, man? Good, how you doing? You're standing there and you're like, so what you do, right? I, what else do you say? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a plumber. Oh, cool, what you do? You know, that, that's, that's how we identify ourselves mindlessly as our identity. No, my identity is I've been crucified to Christ Jesus. It's no longer I who lives, but he and me. Now I'm a new creation, right? I live to serve him and to worship him with my life. That's who we are. So quit compartmentalizing. Quit making your worship to the Lord something you do on Sunday morning and part of your church life. Your worship to the Lord is part of your work life. It's part of your school life. It's part of your family life. It's a, every aspect is to be a worship surrendered to him. Amen? Let's stand up before we dismiss here in just a moment. I want to I want to invite our prayer partners, our pastors, elders, senior leaders to come down to the sides. Uh, these are prayer partners, and they'll be down here um, if you want prayer. We're going we're gonna to sing one last worship song here in just a moment. But before we do so, let me do this. Everybody bow your heads for just a moment. I, I, don't, I don't like closing out with asking if there's anyone here that needs to surrender their heart to Jesus. Guys, most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Forget everything else that was said today. If, you're, if you have not surrendered, if you have not said yes to Jesus, if you've not repented and turned from your sin and surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, then this is the word for you today. The Bible tells us it is our own sin that separated us from a loving, holy God, loving Father. And there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. We were utterly bankrupt. But God loved you so much that he had a plan. He knew that 
An innocent man had to give his life to redeem mankind, but none of us were worthy. None of us could do it. So the Bible says that he put on, like clothing, he put on humanity. He came in the flesh as Jesus Christ, the baby born in a manger, born that he might die for you. He went to that cross willingly, knowing exactly what he was going to endure. The Bible says that he became sin. He became everything that we were. And he willingly died for it. But he would know he didn't stay in that grave. Death couldn't hold him. Three days later, he rose. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And guess what? You can be seated with him as well. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If that's you, you may need to repent right now. Say, Lord, I've lived a selfish life. I've lived for myself. I haven't put you first. I've lived to accomplish my own dreams and desires. I've done what I thought was best. And today you just need to say, Lord, I surrender. I choose to live this life bowed down. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. You confess him as Lord, believing that he was raised from the dead, that you'll be saved. You become a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. That's you in here, and you would say, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus today. Just lift up your hand boldly. Anybody in here? Okay. Who else in here would say, I need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus today? You may be watching online and you know that's you. Listen to me, just because you're not here in person, that changes nothing. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you right now. It's not my voice, it's his voice. And he's right there with you wherever you may be. And he's imploring you to come. And you can live a life of satisfaction and fulfillment that you didn't even know existed, that you didn't even know was possible. All you gotta do is say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I invite you to say it with me. And, and look, it's, I, 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 I it, it's the, my prayer that I'm going to pray is not a formula. It's not about the word so much as it is the posture of your heart. You can repeat after me, or you can pray your own words to the Lord, but just pray something like this. Just, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I recognize that I am lost and alone, dead in my sin. I owe a debt I can never repay. I'm utterly bankrupt. And because of your great love, you sent your son Jesus to lay down, to lay down his life for me to pay my sin debt. So today, Jesus, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sin. I turn from it. I fix my eyes on you and I choose to follow you every day of my life. No turning back. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you were raised from the dead. I want to be seated in heavenly places with you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. I can be everything you call me to be. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord of my sin.